Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are just as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They're milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Betches Media presents. A lot of them aren't even pretending to be in charge. Slow the testing down. Remove him from office. No justice, no peace. Cast a vote that will make you proud. The Betches Sup Podcast. Will you shut Who is up, man? Listen. Hello and welcome to the Betches Sup Podcast. I'm Amanda Duberman. I'm Elise Morales. I'm Caitlin Bird. And it is that time of year again. Merry impeachments. Here we are. Merry impeachments. I can't I can't believe it feels like it was just the last impeachments. <laughs> it really truly does. It really truly does. I mean, the last impeachment I remember, Elise, we were together. Yes. Might have also been one of the last times we were together. Yeah, because we were at the Betches holiday party and we were like, yay, he got impeached. Yeah, and I got so drunk, I threw up on my dog. Right, that's when yes. you threw up on your dog. Yes, yeah, he's still not over it. Are we? Are we doing a part? We're, part we're doing no, tonight. We're, thank God, we're doing dry January. So, <laughs> Morty's safe. Oh, you're you're still. That's I'm impressed. <laughs> you're dry January. I didn't even. I took a day off. It, but by I, I'm glad I didn't make any promises to anybody about whether or not there would be drinking or imbibing of substances this January. It, it was like, to be clear, it's not, it's, it's not sober January. It's just dry January. <laughs> and that's oh. a really, dis- that's actually a really, really big distinction. It's a huge distinction. So let's get right into it. We were just saying before we recorded that it's been a year since Caitlin and I have talked. The last time <laughs> Caitlin was on was Wednesday when, as we were recording the podcast, it seems the violent insurrection was getting increasingly violent. We ended on an optimistic note saying, until the end of democracy, we felt we had won the Georgia runoffs and democracy was preserved. And then within hours, there was a deadly siege on our capital. And it has been now one week since that deadly siege. Do you remember in the middle of all that when it was like, oh, also John Ossoff won. And we're like, what? (laughs) (laughs) Such a bummer for John Ossoff. I mean, it's a bummer for everybody. I mean, he'll get to be in the Senate. He's going to be fine. But it was like, we got that news officially in the middle of the whole thing. And it was like, uh, okay, yeah. Uh, yeah. They're not going to get any of like the siege inside jokes when they get there. No, no, that's too bad. <laughs> no, it's shared experience. They were not part of nothing like shared trauma to bond you with your new coworkers. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Was there anyone in there? There were definitely people in there that it was like their first day. I mean, I just keep thinking about like Jamal Bowman and Corey Bush who yeah, had just I, got there. I, I was just listening to a Congresswoman when I was watching the impeachment whose name I'm actually not remembering, but she was a democratic Congresswoman. And this was, her like statement on impeachment was like when they brought her out, they were like, and we should note that this is the Congresswoman's first speech ever on the floor. And she came out and was like, this was not what I expected my <laughs> I first speech to be about. <laughs> and then she actually gave a really moving speech. And I like, I feel bad that I'm not recalling her name. And I think she just did the daily recently too, where she was talking about how she, um, was going to bring her kids to the Capitol because their mom is getting starting 
her job as a congresswoman and she thought, oh, it would be nice to bring my kids to the Capitol. But then luckily she was following everything that was going on online and she was like, things are getting really crazy. And she sent them back to wherever she's from. Mm -hmm. And so they weren't there. But she was like, you know, my children were almost here. Yeah. We're starting to hear a lot more from lawmakers about how concerned they actually were before this all went down and how little was done to really address those. So let's catch us up to where we are this morning, midday Wednesday. So yesterday, Mike Pence declined, formally declined to invoke the 25th Amendment to remove Trump from Oval, from the Oval Office. I'll take that again. After Mike Pence declined to invoke the 25th Amendment to remove Trump from office, the House is now moving forward as we speak with a vote to impeach the president. Lawmakers in favor of impeachment say that it paves the way for a Senate trial and conviction, which could open up the possibility for banning Trump from running for office in the future, which should presumably be appealing to some Republican presidential candidates looking forward to 2024. Five senior Republican leaders have joined House Democrats in calling for the impeachment of President Trump, including the third-ranking GOP leader, that's House Republican Conference Chair Liz Cheney of Wyoming. You know it's bad when a Cheney gets righteous, and righteous she got. (laughs) <laughs> and also notable is 70% of people in Wyoming voted for Donald Trump. This is the, That was the highest proportion of any state. It's not like Republicans have a hard time winning in Wyoming, but maybe coming out against impeachment could make that more difficult. Mitch McConnell has also hinted that he is in support of a Senate impeachment trial, which again opens the door for more Republican support. Basically, it gives cover to primarily House and I guess Senate Republicans who want to I guess, look good or make the choice that makes them look good. It gives them the cover to come out of this unscathed because McConnell's saying the idea is that this is a very convenient way to purge Trump from the party and he's endangering the legacy of Republicans in Congress and how the Senate should work. So do what you want. And there are also reports that he's even encouraged lawmakers not to speak out against Republican colleagues who do favor impeachment because it could endanger their lives. That's... Oh my God. I mean, that last sentence is completely uh, insane, but it's just, it's just really interesting to see that like, as soon as this started actually hitting their pocketbook, they lost this election in Georgia. Like we're starting to see, I mean, there should be a hundred percent support for (laughs) impeaching Donald Trump. Like that's where it should be at. And it should have been at that the first time we impeached him. But it's interesting to see someone like Mitch McConnell actually now saying that there's political value to removing him from the party and all this stuff after holding water for him for so long. Orienting. Certainly is. I mean, they got what they wanted. They got the judiciary. They got, I mean, they, they got the tax cuts. They got the votes. They got Democrats for some inexplicable reason, rolling uphill and trying to make bipartisanship happen and Republicans being able to frame everything as a failure of Democrats being conciliatory enough. I mean, every he got every political win you could possibly get. And now he's going to get a political win from being like at the very last minute, once everyone's in danger, once the government is about to fall, being like, maybe it's worth it now. Because he already got all the stuff he can get out of Trump, and now he even gets an awesome opportunity to make it seem like Republicans weren't on board for 99.99999% of the time. That's exactly right. And that's obviously the strategy that that these Republicans who vote against it are going to take, which is like, when it was right, 
I stood. And it's like, the reason no president has been impeached twice is because you're supposed to get it right the fucking first time. Like you're not, <laughs> you're not supposed to get to impeaching him a second time. So it's, it, uh, it's crazy to me. And then also one of the things about this decision by McConnell or his signaling that he's pleased or whatever, which is like, I saw that New York Times article and it's just so weird to read an article that's like this 78 year old man is pleased. And I'm like, okay. But um, he basically, the last time we did impeachment, he was actively standing in the way of it. He was like whipping votes against it. He was telling members if like threatening them in various ways if they did vote against it and all that stuff. Basically what he's doing right now is saying like, I'm not going to stand in the way of, whatever you guys want to do and he's saying like if you guys want to vote for it you can but that's like that's not a hugely moral stance he's taking either he hasn't even said that he's gonna vote for it he's just said that he thinks he's committed impeachable offenses but because he's a republican that doesn't automatically mean he's gonna impeach him yeah, they said that half of them not half of them but a fair amount of them even said that the last time they're like he committed impeachable offenses but He's got like a year left, so let's just leave him. And now it's like, well, he's got a week left, so let's just let's just leave him. And yeah, I I've seen some some sort of chatter, and I've actually gotten this reaction from someone I talked to where I just I'm stunned that now all these Republicans are like finally denouncing Trump. And I had a reaction that was like, that's unfair. Like, why? Of course they are. This is so clearly so bad. And to me, I'm like, this is indistinguishable from what's been happening for for years. For four years. So yeah, color me surprised. To me, there's very little distinction to anyone that's been paying attention to anyone that's been impacted by this. It's, it's, it is shocking that this is, this is their line. Like I I was supposed to guess that's where it was, please. They have the low, (laughs) the low sunk into the molten core of the earth and dissolved years ago. It's also not even the line. It's the line for like five senators and a handful of House members, but it's not even fully the line. Oh, yeah. <laughs> As Mitch McConnell knows that even even this, even this amount of openness to this signal that he's giving is not going to provide the Republican votes necessary to remove him from office. They need 16 or 17, I think, depending on like when things are certified, seated, all this other fun stuff, which I'm, I'm sure we'll get to. But like all of that depends on on whether or not Mitch Whips votes, because the truth is, is that there's there's, there's a, if we're talking about, OK, rejecting him as a Democrat, you know, we're all on like deathless, I guess. Like, that's just what happens which is miserable and awful. And like, that's not a normal politics at all, but they were like totally fine with that. But now all of a sudden that Republicans who disagree could end up on that list. They're all like, Oh, you know, do we want to do this? So it's going to take real meaningful promises and real effort to actually tamp down what this is and bring consequences at a level that will make people not attack their elected. I'm sorry. I know. Yeah, not attack them. Here's uh, here's a fun game to play. Who do you think are we? Maybe we we can't go through all seventeen, but other than the obvious, other than the obvious senators who would flip, or the ones who have said that they are going to flip already, who do you think is flippable? Do I think Tim Scott is maybe flippable? 
But he said today, he said oh, yesterday he that yesterday? like he's against impeachment, but it's also like you're saying that today. Who knows? Yeah. Yo, he's a black Republican <laughs> from South Carolina. You think he's gonna go to the Trumpers and be like, you know what? Oh, that's fair. That's very dangerous. Right here, your white supremacist takeover of government is very a dangerous. Yo, this it's is very dangerous. Just unironically said that he had been profiled by the Capitol Police despite wearing a Senate pin and then now is defending no 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 like this man is not voting for impeachment if he had that kind of if he had like the the, the spine for that he wouldn't be a black republican sorry i'm Ooh, allowed to yeah. say that um <laughs> <laughs> maybe if we um maybe if somebody just explains to tommy tuberville what impeachment is but they just like make it sound appeal just lie since he doesn't yeah. know what he's doing Someone, okay we, if we can get if we can confuse tuberville, into, we confuse tuberville on the floor <laughs> someone spins him around a bunch yeah. of times <laughs> let's tell mitt romney no mitt romney will vote to remove so we don't mitt, really yeah i mean mitt romney voted for it the last time i think i mean if mitch mcconnell's saying he's pleased maybe he would do it to try to make himself look like he's above it all. If he's like, apparently he was really affected by what happened. I think he's, I mean, not, I think to the extent that he's emotional, I think he's affected in that he felt danger toward himself. Right. And now he's very pissed off, which is actually a reaction I would expect to see from more people and I'm not <laughs> seeing. So it right. makes him one of the more human reactions we've seen, which is that he was alarmed uh, and when I, a bunch yeah. of people and tried I to did. kill him. I did hear that he was especially like he was physically removed. He was dragged by his team very quickly. Yeah, because he like can't go. F- <laughs> right, right. So he. Sorry, that's he's, not funny, but no, it but also it's like is if this, funny. he's like if this happens again, I'm fucked. Yeah. Well, yeah. His Secret Service had to like pick like they like yeah. scooped him up. Yeah. So, I, you know, stretch of the imagination maybe. And then my big ones that I think I, I want to hear are my crazy like my conspiracy theory ones are that I think facing censure and also because they are so blindly ambitious and horrible and really only care about running for president again in 2024, that if someone were to get to Ted Cruz and Josh Hawley and be like, we could expel him from the party and he'd never be able to run again and then you could run in the primary, that they would, I don't think that they're above doing what they've already done and then flipping again and being like, actually... And it right. actually doesn't, and it doesn't, um, there's no cognitive dissonance with what we did before, because I always said that if the president did another bad thing, I would vote or whatever. Like, yeah. I just don't think that, I think they're so craven that they would even flip again if they saw it in their own interest. To do I think that. especially possibly I can see that with Cruz because Cruz before went in the Republican primary, he is on record. It's like the, of course, throughout all of Trump's term, we get to use these Republicans being hypocritical. And yeah. now I can totally see them using their own hypocrisy. Like, well, see, even before I told you this was going <laughs> to yeah. happen and I was just trying oh. to be a patriot and now they're going to air them again. Ted Cruz 2024 is going to be him saying to Trump, how dare you call my wife ugly? I could so see Ted Cruz being like, I have always said fucking Lindsey Graham too. Yeah. Both of them coming out straight faced being like, I've always said, check the record. I said in 2016 that Donald oh. Trump's a psycho. Check the record. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, 
I could see it from both of those two. Lindsey Graham's another one that I think because he's um, he's a weather vane. He's just going wherever the wind is blowing. So if a bunch of if a bunch of Republicans fell, Lindsey Graham would maybe do so at the last hour to be like. And me too. Enough is enough. Yeah. Like, uh, and now I'm important again. Yeah. I think the sleeper, my sleeper pick is Tom Cotton. He's mm. kept his head down the entire damn time. He's looking forward to the, to, he's the Brutus of this entire discussion. If he's, if there's some, some Caesar shit going down, he's just going to stay in the background and be like, nah, I got you. Also, here's how he'll use it. He was the one who said during BLM and got a New York Times editor fired over it, there should be army presence at riots when there is uh, intense protests. Or he was calling the moms at the time inappropriately, misguidedly. I can totally see him. I've been like, where is Tom Cotton suddenly being like, where were the tanks? I can see him circling back around. I like that one. I would put money on that one. Tom Cotton is a good one too. All right, so we're gonna we're gonna have some sort of can't do a bet, but we'll see what happens. I, I'm in favor of Tim Scott. Caitlin is, what's his name? Tom Cotton. Tom, <laughs> Tom Cotton. Tom Cotton. It's a lot of T's and like, Tim's. Think about like the most perfect name for a Southern senator who's just a complete and utter piece of shit, but somehow duplicitous enough to just stay under the radar. Cotton. His oh, last God. name is literally. He's hoping to be President <laughs> Cotton. Just think about it. sense. As a black person, I'm just going to be like, of course. Like, of course, that's who he, like, of course. Of course. Okay. Okay. Um, no. Of all the people that I said, I'm going to put my, put my backing on and my chips in for Lindsey Graham. There it is. There you have it. It's on tape. Check the tape. <laughs> South Carolina being very excited right now between the two of you. I know, <laughs> I, know. I know. South Carolinians are like, what the hell? <laughs> well, it is, it is, uh, what was it? Too small to be a republic and too large to be an insane asylum. Sorry, that quote's <laughs> never going away, you guys. I know it's over a century and a half old. No, it's never. That's a beautiful quotation. Today's episode of American Fever Dream is brought to you by Newly. Have you ever felt that fast fashion ick, but can't always afford the super high end stuff? I have a solution for you. It's Newly. Newly has everything you need to bring your closet up to speed for the season without breaking the bank. Free your closet of impulse purchases and skip the buyer's remorse by renting instead. Newly is a subscription rental service, and for just $98 a month, you get your choice of any six styles. They also have inclusive sizing up to 5X, as well as petite and maternity. You get fast, free shipping and returns and professional cleaning and newly state-of-the-art laundering facility. No laundry for you to worry about. This is the best. You just put it back in your box, send it out, and before you know it, you've got your next one. And you always have the option to buy what you love for sometimes up to 75% off. I bought the Rachel Antonoff pasta puffer from them. I was obsessed with it, like everybody who tries it is, and it was completely sold out everywhere else. So I felt like I really, really had an in there. So thank you, Newly. Newly is an amazing value at $98 a month for any six styles. And right now you can get $20 off your first month of Newly when you sign up with the code FeverDream20. Just go to N-U-U-L-Y.com. That's Newly with two U's and enter the code FeverDream20 and sign up to get $20 off your first month. That's N-U-U-L-Y.com. Newly with two U's with code FeverDream20. Newly subscription clothing rental. Change your clothes. In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. 
Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 5% off your first purchase with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for 5% off your first purchase. So let's talk about a possible timeline for the Senate impeachment trial and what it would look like. It remains unclear when Mitch McConnell will hold the trial. He has no intention to do so before January 19th when the Senate comes back from recess. Another question we've been getting a lot and thinking a lot about is when does the Senate have a Democratic majority? This is will happen as soon as both New Georgia senators are seated and Kamala Harris is sworn in as vice president. Kamala Harris will be sworn in one week from today. Just to pause to acknowledge that in a week, we will absolutely have a new president and vice president. Thank God. Palette yes. cleanser. So she'll be sworn in a week from today. Senators-elect John Ossoff and Raphael Warnock, they can't be seated until Georgia certifies its election results, and Georgia has until January 22nd to do so. So this looks like a sort of four-day period of uncertainty. Does that matter? Like, are we worried about Mitch, you know, what do we think this is going to look like? And do we think, what do you think Mitch McConnell is motivated to do right now? Stop. I think, yeah, I think that Mitch McConnell is motivated to stand back and watch this thing play out. And he's not going to aid it in any way by like coming back early or making a deal with Schumer to move things along. But he's not, I think he's like literally trying to lay low on this, which is insane. Yeah, he's going to let the process itself play out, even though, like, it really should be said uh, that there is a tremendous threat against the government and the transition of power. Um, we've already lost, uh, I think, um, Emily Hauser on, on Twitter mentioned that it's, we, we've lost the peaceful transition of power because five people are dead. Yeah. You know, so, like, no by, by its nature, normally the government has zero deaths. When transitioning from one government to another, that has not happened this time. Wow. Uh, explicitly at the time that we were affirming the transfer of power, they murdered people. So yeah. we have already lost that. Now it's about how much violence we can tamp down. How much more will there be? And there have already been significant threats. So Mitch McConnell is seeing all of that and still won't move it up, which means yeah. that he's leaving Donald Trump as commander in chief of the armed forces. And I hate to remind everyone of this, but with unfettered use of the nuclear arsenal until noon on January 20th. And then afterwards, he'll just argue that, well, you can't remove a guy who's already been removed by process. There is no president. Therefore, I mean, Joe Biden's president now. None of this matters. I don't mm -hmm. understand why you want to impeach him. At which point, I, my suggestion is for Democrats to grab the 14th Amendment and beat every single Republican within an inch of their lives with that third clause. Yeah, uh, it's really alarming to me that we're basically seeing a number of Republicans. We saw it this morning with these like House speeches and stuff argue uh, that we have to go through a process and that this is moving too fast when number one laughable with what we saw with amy coney barrett number two um 
Our government needs to be able to respond to attacks on our capital and things need to move quickly. I was like, I, I was watching CNN and they were talking about like, after Pearl Harbor, within 24 hours, we declared war on Japan. Like there needs to be, like, we need to have, you know, even other our countries are responding like, to this kind of stuff. Other countries are like, fuck, why is Trump still president? That's terrifying. The world is terrified that we have not removed this man. What do you guys think of the argument? And I don't know if one particular party, members of a particular party are making, but that it could create more violence and a more dangerous situation to try to remove him before inauguration because that could inflame his supporters. What do we think of that argument? Even though it's not, obviously the constitutional duty is maybe not to consider that, but what do we think of that? Leaving him in office could inflame more violence. Like... (laughs) Their goal is the same either way. To- yeah, he's in office and violence was inflamed. So let's try to flip the script and see what happens. He's in office. They don't want him to leave. And they're going to fight with us whether that's tomorrow or whether that's next Wednesday. I mean, basically, the violence is inevitable. I have like an August uh, a tweet from August 2019 that says that anyone who thinks is going to end neatly via a uh, a fair and free election is delusional. Sorry uh, to those who actually are, but like the, <laughs> the problem is, is that like, yeah, like there was, once you let a fascist in power, the chances that you are going to remove them without damage to your system is uh, zero. Like there's no way we're getting out of this at this point. Mm. All the time for preventative efforts were before the six, if you cared about, oh, whether or not violence is th- going to happen, well, that was that was last year. That was last impeachment. Now you don't get to make arguments that, like, oh, man, it's all too fast, and, oh, we could make it worse. Like, motherfuckers, it's already really bad. I just want to be clear. Like, this is the worst-case scenario of, of many, many iterations. There's – I'm I could talk about how it could get worse, but let's not – for yeah. this moment, it's bad enough that you guys, the, the entire argument is just structured and premised on violence against, just rhetorical violence, but also physical violence against populations that have already faced so much. And it's just disgusting. Yes. And it's also, it's also, to me, like, to abdicate your constitutional responsibility to carry out impeachment, to have this trial, to hold people accountable because you fear the violence is basically like you're being held hostage by the mob. Then the mob actually is running our government and they're actually in charge because they scared you into not removing the president from office when you knew that he should be removed. It's also something I kind of suspect the framers would have anticipated and they, if they didn't, if they were like, unless it's too dangerous. Yeah, like no, you have to get him out. So we're talking a lot about accountability and why it is so important to hold everybody involved in this to a very high standard of accountability. I mean, there were murderers, the crimes that happened, and the acting AG has said that people will be surprised to learn how bad it was. And this is not the first time that our country will have to hold violent seditionists accountable and do so to the degree that they don't reemerge. And we have not really had a ton of success doing that in the past. Uh, Caitlin, are there parallels here between 
the reaction to in the post-Civil War period, in the Reconstruction period, are there lessons from there that show opportunities that were missed to maybe avoid what ultimately happened, which was Jim Crow, racism has not gone away, systemic racism has not gone away. We have a white supremacist mob that just undertook a deadly siege on the Capitol. Um, well, yes, is the short answer to that. Yes, there are. Um, <laughs> from not, um, I mean, I, the thing about treason is that, and I'm firmly anti-death penalty and there are many reasons for that. Um, and of course there's, um, the case that happened last night, which was awful. Um, but like, I think, you you you're talking when you're talking about the death penalty the reason the tr- the the usual penalty for treason is death is because it's very hard living with people who fundamentally said you are illegitimate and your government should be destroyed and have tried to murder you over it it suddenly becomes really difficult to be like let's find some way of reconciling you can't right. you really cannot you fundamentally disagree about each other's existence and at that point when someone's willing to take up arms against the government, there's no way to really reintegrate them into society. There's no way to rehabilitate that because the nature of the disagreement is that they want you dead. And they want you dead for for reasons that to them make perfect logical sense and will never stop making sense. You can't unpack that and be like, well, you know, that's not really how the government works. They'll just be like, but you should die. But you're a satanic pedophile and you should die. And you're just like, oh, okay. (laughs) We're in QAnon level territory too. Like they really have this whole theory. And that's why, like, to some degree, there was never going to be real comedy after the Civil War without either one of two ways, right? We went the the white supremacist way, which is just being like, guess the darkies don't really have rights. Okay. Well, that's not really the energy I want this time around, obviously. Member of mm-hmm. the government, citizen of the states, not really excited about this whole let's recreate slavery <laughs> thing. So I'm going to sit off of that one and we'll not do that again. No century of Jim Crow. But the other side was to be incredibly harsh in the South and basically say, you've done this thing and now you'll never be able to do it again. We will unmake you and remake you in our image. That also did not go super well, but <laughs> just to be clear, Southerners treat, when you, someone says I'm an unreconstructed racist, like where did that come from? That came from I literally refuse to be reconstructed. <laughs> I literally refuse re- reconstruction as a concept. So that's where we're at. Do I have solutions for this? I wish I did. I, I wish it was just like... Yo, okay, if you do this and you press your hair and, you know, like, <laughs> you get, like, some, some, uh, clap you know, your hands three powder, times. Yeah. It fixes most stuff. You know, baking soda does a lot of things. <laughs> that, plus, <laughs> that in your cabinet, 30 days, you got it, you guys. We're good. Bet Joe Biden will at some point recommend that as a, as a cure for racism. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but. I, I think that, like, yeah, no, I, one of the qu- real questions you have to ask is, like, what is it going to look like to create a politics in which this group of people who thinks that they are entitled to a white supremacist country are actually told that they don't? And not only told that they don't, but we make it impossible for them to have it. That's the only way I can think of is, like, to entrench that and to make it really hard for them to hold political power. 
14th Amendment all up in this. Just mm-hmm. keep all of them from holding power. Like, you gotta do it. It's the worst thing I could think of. Like, but, like, there's that. Or it's actually going through treason trials and actually executing the penalty for treason, which, again, as an anti-death penalty person, I'm firmly against. Fundamentally, <laughs> we're all prison abolitionists here. Well, I don't know. Yeah. We all are generally anti-locking yeah, people up for little, but people that could, these are the crimes. These are the crimes that I think you put people away for. Yeah, I just feel like that gets me into Handmaid's Tale, hanging wall territory that <laughs> I do not need to be yeah. uh, dealing with. It's it's not great, and that's the problem with with something like this. Right. Yeah. Like, now the government's torn apart, but like you can't put it back together. This is not QAnon people are not going to be like, you traffic those children. I'll stay on my side, not trafficking children. You say your drive side, drinking blood and trafficking children. And right. Yourself. You can't. There's no. Yeah, yeah. Like it's not about the deficit spending anymore. It's like literally these are people who think that the government is being run by satanic pedophiles who drink blood yeah. and traffic children and that Donald Trump is the only person who is going to save them from that. Yeah, and we're also learning more and we'll continue to learn more about any role that Democratic or that Republican lawmakers might have played in inciting this. Um, today, Representative Mikey Sherrill, who we've had on the podcast, she suggested that she saw Republican members lead what she described as reconnaissance tours the day before the riot. So basically, her, she saw her colleagues leading people through tours, Just, and it seemed strange to her. There are other reports of people now just thinking back to things they saw that they now appear quite sinister. Representative Jim Clyburn said that rioters were looking for him in an unmarked office that was separate from his main office in Statutory Hall. There was no reason why they should have known he was there. There were reports of Capitol Police guiding people. Several Capitol Police officers have been charged. We should also say that there are also Capitol Police officers that are reporting some serious uh, issues with trauma and are turning in their weapons. Um, really a bad scene down there overall. And a dozen different investigations continue into Capitol Police officers. There's no question that things happened that were not supposed to and that people knew things before this breach happened and we're going to be learning about this for, I would imagine years. And yeah, that's why I, I don't know. I, I want this to happen quickly so that the urgency stays, but I just can't imagine we're going to stop talking about this anytime soon. Yeah. We don't even know how bad it was. Yeah. We're, this is going to be, this is, this is part of it, right? Reconstruction. Part of it is like deconstructing what happened and then reconstructing it. So it never happens again. And, you know, let's, like, put more than a century and a half between us and armed rebellion again, okay, you guys? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> let's, like, really deal with it this time, maybe. <laughs> like, make sure that my great, 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 great grandchildren are still like, ah, America peaceful. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Thanks, everyone. That would be great. That would be a great pro tip. That is our show for today. Thank you, guys. Make sure you guys are subscribed to Morning Announcements, Sammy's Morning Show. It's a great way to get like the day's headlines in five minutes. If you're in a rush, then you can come join us for longer conversations here as always. We also haven't asked you to review the SUP podcast for a while, but if you've enjoyed listening to us this year and last year, please give us a five-star review. It helps as much as podcast host says it does. It helps other people find us, and it really makes a difference. So leave a quick review if we you've enjoyed spending half an hour to 45 minutes with us every day. And until the return of democracy, I'm Amanda Duberman. I'm Elise Morales. I'm Caitlin Bird. And this is the Better SUP Podcast. 
But That Just Up podcast is produced by Amanda Duberman, Jorge Morales-Pico, and Sean Kilby. Social media by Amanda Duberman. Artwork by Brittany Levine. Our podcast director is Sean Kilby. Be sure to follow us at Betches underscore SUP on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And send your emails to SUPPod at Betches.com. Betches.